What's up, everyone? This is the weekly football trio cast. My name is Austin Consal, and I am joined by my co-host Giovanni Falzone. What's up, guys? And Anthony still is unfortunately can't join us. Uh, he uh, had some other obligations tonight, but hopefully he'll be back next week. But you know, we're just yes, sir. Uh, gonna chug a lug without him, and uh, we'll we'll talk good about his Dolphins beating the Eagles for him. And uh, but let's get straight into the news. Where big news of the day: Ron Rivera, the Panthers' head coach, has been fired. This came out of nowhere. I didn't even know his job was in jeopardy. I didn't even know they were even thinking about firing him. I thought he was safe. I mean, he's five and seven, which isn't great, but under the circumstances that he's dealt with, five and seven's not a bad, bad season. And it came out of the blue. My opinion on why this happened, though, is the owner is going to go in a new direction. And he had two pieces to get rid of. One was Rivera. The other one's a quarterback named Cam Newton. I think they're going to be a package deal. Rivera is going to go first. And I think by the end of the season and going into the offseason, I think they're going to try and get rid of Cam Newton. I think they're doing this. For a reason, I think the owner is ready to just move into a new a new era. And it started with Rivera, and I, I, I just think getting rid of him means Cam Newton is going to go as well, um, which could be good. I think he could still play at a very good level, and maybe he can go somewhere that needs a quarterback, and you know maybe they can do some cool things. And what do you think, Gio? Do you think that the Rivera firing was? necessary do you think he even deserved to be fired what do you think about my opinion about do you think they're a combo deal cam newton's going to be gone as well what do you think yeah i think cam is going to be gone as well um i've been on the record for several months now since his injury began since he was put um on the back burner while kyle allen you know there he had some great moments he had some highs he had some lows um but he kept things afloat for for the foreseeable future at least for this season um when he took over uh i believe in week two but with cam i wouldn't get rid of him they're they're likely going to just because i know what kind of a talent he is and i've seen what cam can do when healthy when in the right scheme and i i think that's a lot of what you're saying is this organization completely wants to go in a different direction and in doing that i think they're gonna really open it up to any kind of coach to come in i don't think they even know what they have in mind yet. I think it's going to be something that they discover in the off season as they start to do interviews. Um, maybe they do already have someone, but from what I'm seeing, because this was, you know, it doesn't seem like an irrational decision to make, but at the same time, Ron Rivera wasn't living up to expectation really since that Super Bowl year, the Panthers as a team haven't been living up to expectation. Um, and a lot of that has to do with cam, but so, you know how that goes. It falls on the quarterback and it falls on the coach. So while this was shocking and surprising, I think Ron Rivera gets another job, possibly right away as another head coach, if not definitely uh, defensive coordinator. And with Cam Newton, there's a lot of potential landing spots like Chicago, like Los Angeles Chargers. But we're gonna we're gonna see it definitely in the offseason. I think pretty early uh, what they do with Cam, and I think it's gonna lead to some decision making for them come April in the uh, in the draft. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I got two questions for you. I want to bring up something that's near and dear to your heart. But first, I want to say, what do you think about Cam Newton in Miami? Do you think Anthony would enjoy that? Do you think Dolphins fans would enjoy that? Or do you think he's just not a fit for that that team? You think he needs to go somewhere where the talent is established? Or do you think he's yeah. willing to work a little bit? Yeah, Miami, um, I really wouldn't like to see it because I just don't trust Miami as an organization based upon – uh, their track record over the last decade, really, um, as, as far as assembling talent and keeping talent, uh, signing good contracts, all that kind of stuff. Um, I do like what I see from a Devontae Parker. Um, they don't really have a dynamic run game, so that's why I don't think it would, it would be good for Cam to go there. Um, yeah, they got a, a tight end who can make some splash plays in Gasecki here and there, but I don't think that's even the, the the direction of the organization. I think they want to go youth. They want to go young. I, I anticipate them drafting a young QB 
maybe they sign Fitzpatrick to another year and just let him kind of hold on to things as, as well as seeing what they got in Rosen and they keep the, the young QB on ice for about <clears throat> maybe eight to 10 games. So I, yeah, I don't see them getting cam. I personally wouldn't like to, wouldn't like to see it for the fact that I think cam has a lot of football left in him when, and, and when he's fully healthy and I, I rather see him on a team that has more of an established core. And I just believe Miami wants to go young. So yeah, I agree with you. And uh, what I meant by near and dear to your heart, since we're talking about coach firings, I, you would probably bring this up when we talk about the Cowboys versus the Bills. But do you think at the end of the year, what saves Jason Garrett's job? Or I guess the better question is, is what saves his job or is his job sealed and he's going to he's going to lose it? I, I want to know, is it a don't make the playoffs, see you later? Is it first-round exit, see you later? If you make it to the divisional round, the conference, the Super Bowl, does it matter? What do you so think? So what saves Garrett's job, and <clears throat> there really shouldn't be anything that can save it, but there is, it's an NFC championship game berth. Not even a victory. Uh, it's a berth. If they get to that game, Jerry will be convinced in his mind that this is my guy. We've taken one more step. And we're right there on the cusp, kind of like, you know, you look at the Saints over the last couple of years and where they've been and they've lost in some dramatic ways, you know, unlike Dallas. Um, Dallas was accustomed to that years ago, um, losing games in dramatic fashion. But they're established with a Sean Payton in New Orleans. That's why they weren't, you know, looking to make a change. Whereas Dallas, I mean, Jason Garrett has been there for for over over oh, 10 years now. I mean, this is this is the same story, and it's a different year. And so, uh, I think an NFC Championship berth would let Jerry, uh, you know, give him reason to keep him. But I think he should have been gone long ago. Uh, I think I've let that be known a lot on this podcast and even before this podcast, uh, in talking with people, because he's just he just doesn't have the traits that I personally, as a fan of this team, see that a head coach needs. Um, yeah, you can look at his record. He's had some really great years, but if you go eight and eight, three straight years and you lose the last game, the last game of the season to each division rival, not the same one, you only have three and he lost to all possible three. I think after that, he should have been gone. So. Yeah, I, I, I agree. But I would go as far as say if he doesn't make the Super Bowl, because I know you it's, it's know possible. this. Jones is he's apparently on another level right now of just frustration, and I think they all are because you guys, if I'm not mistaken, have no wins against teams with winning records. Nope, no wins. So I think Jerry Jones is at his breaking point. Um, but you can you can elaborate a little bit more when we start talking about that game on Thursday. Um, but let's finish up the news. Uh, we got a Dalvin Cook injury, which I read isn't serious, or he says it's not serious. But every time I talk about an injury not being serious, it ends up being serious. Like James Conner, for example, I said, oh, he'll be fine. He's been out. But, <laughs> for weeks. Um, um, yeah, what, do you think that will affect the Vikings without him? Do you think the Vikings just go from you know, a very good contender to just maybe not so much without him? Well, number one, I want to start with if Dalvin Cook is good, good to go as he says he is, which that's a player speaking. I want to see what the trainers, the doctors, and ultimately uh, Mike Zimmer has to say about the situation. Watch for the Thursday practice report. That's going to tell us a lot. If he even gets a limited session, I'm going to feel pretty confident he suits up on Sunday to play. Now, if he's not right, and this may sound like a hot take because they do have a lot of talent. They have Adam Thielen coming back, but, you know, it's any given play with that hamstring. It's tricky. He could be out again. Stephon Diggs did not look good on Monday night. Dropping passes. Him and Kirk don't have the connection that Kirk and Thielen had. That was proven a year ago through eight games of the season. Uh, Thielen was on pace for averaging like 100 yards a game. So, yes, he has those big bomb plays, but it's sometimes against the Bengals, and sometimes it's against – the, the Eagles and, and secondaries that are beatable. So I, I would I would venture to say that I could see Minnesota losing four straight to miss the postseason if Dalvin Cook doesn't play another down this year. I don't think that's what's going to happen because of what he said already. But if it was a, a broken clavicle, then then that's it. 
I really believe Dalvin Cook is 90% of this team's uh, likelihood to make the playoffs from here on out. When he's going, yes, then you see how everyone else plays. Then you see the Kyle Rudolph getting open on play action. Then you see Diggs uh, going over the top. But without Dalvin Cook, yeah, I like Alexander Madison. He's not Dalvin Cook, though. Um, he can't carry the rock 20 to 25 times, catch the ball five or six times out of the backfield. He's not a true workhorse, at least not of yet. So this Dalvin Cook, they better hope he's right. Because if not, this is going to be another disappointing finish to the year. Because you look at the the Vikings, what they got coming up on the docket, they still got to play the Packers. That's going to be a pivotal game. Don't sleep on the Lions this week. We've seen the Vikings get down at home before, if you remember that Broncos game. So all that to say, Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, I think it salvages and saves the season for them to get a wild card spot. But if he's not, I have them missing the playoffs. Wow. Okay. I don't know if they'll miss the playoffs, but I do agree that I think they're way less of a formidable opponent. That if if he is out, that means Cousins and that defense are going to have to really step it up. And I just don't know if Cousins can step it up enough. And I think the defense would be fine, but... Um, you know, when you lose a guy, you got to rally around what you got. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I think he's going to play this week. I think he's fine. I do, too. Yeah. And to wrap up the news, uh, just a little bit of a news. Minshew is named the quarterback for the rest of the season. It's just Nick Foles looked great, got hurt, comes back from an injury, doesn't look all that great, and now he lost his job. You guys, when I say you guys, I mean Jacksonville. Gave him all that money just to give up on him on basically three games worth of work. It's like people people nowadays in the NFL, I'll bring this up because it's been bothering me. We are so quick to move on. This mm. guy doesn't produce for four games or three games, and they they don't want him anymore. Coaches, these guys play one year, and if they go four and, ele- four and 12, but he's gone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like nobody gets a chance anymore to be anything. It's like, just imagine if, if last year, if Lamar lost the rest of his games that year, does he even get to do what he does this year? Does he get the chance? Probably not. They probably keep Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco's the quarterback. You know, would they be doing the same? Heck no. But it's, it's like ridiculous now that they don't get these chances anymore. Nick Foles could be great. He just came back off a huge injury, and he looked great the first game. Give him some more chance. Your season's over. What the hell is Minshew going to do to your season? You guys aren't winning the division. You got three tough opponents ahead of you. You're in last place in the division. You ain't doing jack squat. But, hey, let's play Minshew. And, uh, as far as I know, they don't want Foles. But wow. if if they're, if they're playing Minshew just to let Foles rest the rest of the year and Foles will start next year, then I'm okay with that. But as far as I heard, they're trying to, they're just like, they're done with Foles already, which I hope not. But uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think if Nick Foles was in, and this will be a take for later, was in Philadelphia, uh, Philadelphia season would look a, a lot different. Um, not that all of the onus of this entire year is on the, the shoulders of Carson Wentz, but I am a believer in Nick Foles. I think he can win some ball games. We've seen him play big and big in the biggest moments on the biggest stages in our sport. And um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. People moving on way too early, uh, backing out, even when millions of dollars are on the line. And that's why I gave my take as I did on Kirk Cousins. He has to deliver. If if this doesn't work out within, they gave him a three year, eighty four million guaranteed, fully guaranteed contract at that time. We were talking about, is this the worst contract ever given? If he doesn't even win one playoff game, this whole thing's a failure. But the what the, but the, but the deal was hit for him to win a Super Bowl championship for Minnesota. I don't see that happening just on the landscape of things this year or next. So he didn't make it last year even to the dance. Now we're looking at Nick Foles. They give him a, a lot of guaranteed uh, money up front. Um, was I don't know if his was a two or a three or a third-year option. Um do you remember, Austin, if it was a uh, third-year option with Nick Foles or is this a two-year contract? I honestly don't know the logistics of the contract, okay. but so they, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it was a few years, um, a lot of million, a lot, lot, lot of dollars guaranteed in this contract. And here they are, like you said, moving on. Now, if it's to shelve him for next year, but that's not what we're hearing out of Jacksonville, 
They just honestly at this point, because they know they're out, they traded away their star asset and Jalen Ramsey as much of a headache as he was to Tom Coughlin. And now it's just about merchandising. Now it's about mustache mania, Minshew <laughs> mania. How can they make money? That's the NFL. Yeah. If it makes dollars, it makes sense. And that's that's simply what I see them doing. But look at the teams, and this is where I guess I got to credit Jerry Jones to a fault. His team does not show up on a nationally televised game, one of the biggest watched games of the last 10 years on the CBS network this Thanksgiving, which we'll get to. And after the game, you would think that's it. Black Fridays, I I thought Jason Garrett's gone the next day. He comes out and says, "I I don't think there's any other coach who could finish with this team the way he can. And so you see this belief, this sometimes to a fault belief that he may have and write this this storybook fairy tale ending to the season. At least he's sticking by his guy to give him. I give him that credit. He's sticking by his guy to give him that shot. Whereas Jacksonville with Nick Foles and what other people do. And look at the teams that don't do that. What happens with them? Every year, it's like a cycle with the Patriots. They're in the AFC Championship game. They're going to lose. No, they're in the Super Bowl. Oh, they win the Super Bowl. Then it's, oh, Brady's too old. It's another year. And then they... Week five or week ten, they they lay an egg against the team, and all the dynasty's over. And then they end up thirteen and three, uh, number one or two seed with a with a buy, and then in the back in the AFC Championship game again. That's the same story. Then they always are told change, 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 and they remain constant. You brought up Lamar Jackson. What I love is that Harbaugh in that playoff game, which he did not look good, and yes, they had a game plan in which yeah, you could say he looked exposed. They still didn't. They weren't running an offense. Greg Roman wasn't even the coordinator in that playoff game. A lot of people don't remember that. And so he didn't have full command and control yet, but they left him in as much as the crowd was shouting for Flacco. Here's another team who's stuck by their guy and it's paying dividends because now they have the front runner of the MVP award and the number one seed in the AFC. So look at the teams that stick to their guns and the ones that are, you know, flip and flop. It usually doesn't work out for them in the end. Yep, that's the truth, and but that's the reality nowadays. If you don't win year one, you're out. But hey, we'll see. Yep. We'll see what happens. Um, let's move on to the review of the week. Uh, some of the games we'll probably talk about, but most of the games will probably just blow through. Uh, honestly, to today, I thought the Lions won against the Bears. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> I thought the Bears lost, but they the Bears opened won up twenty-four to twenty. Yeah, I know. I, I was for some reason I was like, "Oh, the Lions won," and then I was like, "Oh wait, the Bears won." Uh, but yeah, Bears won twenty four twenty. You know, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. The next game is Bills Cowboys. The Bills won twenty six to fifteen. Um, the Bills, man. Do you? I think they play. Who do they play this week? They play Baltimore. somebody pretty. Yeah, they play Baltimore. If the Bills win that game, they're technically the second highest rated team in the AFC at that point. And the only reason they'd be a five seed is because the Patriots would be higher and they have the division. Can but you imagine against the Patriots? Yeah. But can, can you imagine, though, that the Bills are going to be the second highest overall in the AFC if they beat the, the Ravens? Would you would you have imagined that they could be 10 and three at this point? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. But it's possible. Will it happen? I don't know. But do you want to do you want to say anything about the game itself? I mean, the only thing I can remember is that you guys got tricked on not not the trick of the week. We'll talk about that coming up. But <laughs> John Brown threw a touchdown pass, and I'm pretty theory. sure you probably just you probably just stepped away from the TV after that. And look, when a play like that works, kudos to the team because it wasn't on film. John Brown hasn't thrown a pass to my knowledge the entire season, um, and in fact, I don't even know if he has in previous seasons. Uh, even back to his Arizona days, his Baltimore days. Anyways, that's it. That it was a beautifully designed play. The running back, the running back, uh, slipped out. Uh, Devin Singletary slipped out the back, went up the went up the rail, wide open for the touchdown. Dallas had way more problems than a, getting beat on a trick play in this game. The game, we get the ball, they deferred, so we get the ball. Five five minutes, get off the clock, four and a half. We go. I think it was like a. Nine play drive, 75 yards, bam, touchdown. That's classic Dak Prescott, classic Dallas Cowboys football. We're going to get out to a lead, and then we're going to play with the lead, and we're just going to keep rushing you with our pass rush, defending the the deep ball, and, and give it to Zeke to, to pound away. And that's the, the script I thought that was coming. Only there was 23 unanswered points at home. 
on the, or excuse me, 26, 26 unanswered points on the road or being at home and being exposed to that. We didn't just get beat. We got beat down. This was the first game that I can remember Dallas not even looking like a playoff team. If I'm being completely honest, uh, we've lost two point games this year to the Saints um, and to the Jets. We've lost four point games to the Patriots and the Vikings. Uh, we, we it was it was kind of a blowout in the beginning, but we stormed back against the Packers. This was a beatdown. This was the worst like loss for us psychologically, being at home, being on that stage. And Josh Allen threw six incompletions. He was standing back there, standing still. Didn't even have to move around the pocket at some points in this game. That was a problem. And so I don't know what team we're going to get when we get to uh, the review of next week. I don't know what team we're going to get out of Dallas this upcoming week, but it better be a different one. Um, We don't need to get in the headlines again. And we talked a little bit about Jason Garrett's job security. Everyone understands that what Jerry Jones has said and not has not said um, and what that means going forward. Cole Beasley. I mean, this guy was in your locker room for seven years and you can't figure out how to stop him. Bracket coverage on third down. You know that's where Josh Allen is going, and they still couldn't stop him. He had six catches for a buck ten and a touchdown, and, and Jordan Lewis throughout the day just was left alone and didn't know what to do. So there was a poor execution on many fronts. I don't put the fault on any one person, any one blunder. It's not on Dak. It's not on Zeke. The whole team didn't show up for this game after the first drive, and uh, that was an issue. Credit to Buffalo. I won't say it's all bad Dallas, but, man, uh, this is not a team playing uh, up to snuff, up to par with what they're expected to play play to. And and Buffalo, you know, they are a surprise team. I, I don't know what's going to happen once the seeding. I don't see them beating Baltimore this week. Um, but we'll see what happens with Buffalo moving forward. Josh Allen has shown some promise. I do like – I've been a fan of Devin Singletary since he was at FAU. He is in his rookie year, but he's averaging close to five yards a clip. That's that's important on a team like this that has a veteran like Frank Gore. So uh, they got promise. We'll see what happens going forward. All right. Let's move on to the Saints versus the Falcons. That was the last Turkey Day game, 26 to 18. The Saints can thank Taysom Hill for that W. Blocked a punt, caught a touchdown pass, ran a 30-yard touchdown. The Swiss Army knife was real against the Falcons. And the Saints, um, they look good as always. Um, and here comes the Sunday games. We'll start with Tennessee versus the Colts. The Tennessee won 31-17. Um, good win for Tennessee. They're staying alive in that division. And, you know, it's so weird because the AFC South is one of those divisions that you don't care who comes out of it. They're probably going to play a wild card and they're probably going to get whooped whoever they play against. And it's just been the reality for the AFC South. Nobody, I don't think anybody's like, man, I'm ready to watch Tennessee play in the wild card. Sorry, Tennessee fans, but um, it's the truth. And then the next game on the list is Bengals beat the Jets 22-6. The Jets, man, what are y'all doing? I have no clue. good. (laughs) And then you look like crap against this team. Yeah, I don't know, man. Can we say maybe Andy Dalton coming back was like, hey, guys, this is what we could have had. All I got to say is right at this point, Le'Veon Bell, it, it, beside from what happens with Kirk Cousins and Nick Foles, but those are quarterbacks, so you can live with it. You make them – every team, more than half the teams make mistakes at quarterbacks and giving them money, whether it's through the draft picks and what that costs you or a free agent contract. But this Le'Veon Bell contract, it's it, it It's awful. So he's not producing. Give him ten carries. He got three. He got thirty-two yards. I mean, this has been that's a Le'Veon Bell stat line for pretty much this whole year. He has not looked efficient. He's not the same player on this Jets team as he was in Pittsburgh. And Sam Darnold, twenty incompletions, twenty. That's an issue against the Bengals. So uh, that 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 you know you're not playing against the staunchest, the best uh, defense in the NFL to say the least, and you throw twenty incompletions. Uh, that's an issue. And it's not – Joe Mixon didn't pop. He had under 50 yards. So uh, the Jets, they're a team that just doesn't make sense, as you said, and, and they're going to struggle in the coming years unless they fix these issues in-house with Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, and the receiving core. Mm-hmm. And to move on from the actual worst team in the league, which is the Bengals, 
record-wise, but to me, the actual worst team in the league is the Giants because they don't look competitive against anybody, and they mm. lost to the Packers 31-13. to If you look at it this way, right? The Redskins look like crap. They picked it up. The Jets look like crap. They picked it up. The Dolphins look like crap. They picked it up. Hey, even Cincinnati picked it up. Where are the Giants? Doing shit. Sorry for cussing, but they, they, they suck. And um, it's tough. They they could honestly still end up with the second pick because Cincinnati could lose out. But That's I just, true. I really hope they pick Chase Young if Cincinnati doesn't get him because you never know what Cincinnati's going to do. They might try to move on from Dalton still. Uh, but good win for the Packers, keeping keeping them alive in the division because you know they got to win. Vikings loss really helps them out. Um, but, yeah, I will say this. Oh, uh, yeah, with the Giants and the situation, we've talked about this weeks ago. And whether it was, hey, don't bring Saquon back. He's not fully healthy. And obviously, the, the 13 carry one yard game or whatever it was, like, it was pretty clear. Like, there's, you know, guys like Kalen Balage in the league who can, you know, do more than that. And, and so it wasn't right. And I said, you know, no matter what situation you're in, and this sucks for the Giants because this is a year that this division is winnable if you're 500. Um, so for them not to even be competitive and even having a chance in these games really, uh, tells the story. Um, they've had concussion issues. You got to give them some slack for that. The Sterling Shepard though, finally he looks good. He's back. Um, they got promised in Darius Slayton, War Eagle. And, uh, you know, when Golden Tate comes back, I, again, my whole, it's all predicated on can Daniel Jones protect the ball? Can he not force turnovers? And in this game, the Packers, although it was a snowy day, they forced him into three three uh, interceptions, and so that 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 that's going to be the issue there um, going forward. Is you know you just want to see this last quarter of the season. You get a couple division rivals on the schedule. Do you play well against those teams? Because you're going to face them twice a year. So can he put it together? Have promise, and I think it's pretty much a lock. If they want Chase Young, he should be there. If they pick one, two, or three. Um, I just hope they don't get, you know, they don't trade back and take a Derek Brown from Auburn or in the later rounds of the draft, they take a Prince Tega, the tackle from Auburn. Cause I don't like it when my Auburn players go to the NFC East rivals, but that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. You've been shouting out Slayton. What's wrong? He's already there, so I can't do anything about it. I think he's going to be a great, uh, he's a great third option on this team. And when Evan Ingram comes back, he's the fourth option. You're talking about a guy who can get a hundred yards and a score on any given Sunday who can really take the top off with underneath guys and, and, and technicians in Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, who Golden Tate's a veteran, Sterling Shepard's still young, and Evan Ingram and Saquon as a target as well. They have the pieces. It's just a matter of can can they play winning football, and they just haven't proved that yet. Nope. But before you jumped in there, I was going to roll into a transition talking about, speaking of games that uh, helped out a division, how about the Dolphins, 37-31 victory over the Eagles? All the Cowboys fans were like, Save, saved us for another week. Thank you, Miami. Um, Miami, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I, I, there's just so much to talk about with this game. One, Eagles, you can't blow a game like this. Two, Dolphins, you guys just win random ass games. What are you doing? Three, that kicker punter touchdown that was tricky and it was great and it was funny and it's just like it's it's just the game was just weird all around. The Eagles should have won it and they blew it. The Dolphins should have lost it and they won it. And nobody knows if the Dolphins are trying to get a good pick. Are they trying to win out? Have they been actually playing decent the whole season and? You know, the Ravens just killed them, and I don't know. I, I know you probably want to say some things about this game. What do you yeah. say? Well, obviously, as a Cowboys fan, I thought we were done. I thought this game's going to come down to at Philly, week 16. I still think it might, but now it's less likely because of the position the Eagles have put themselves in. So as a Cowboys fan, it, it gave the Cowboys new life, not because of anything they did because they still need to go out and play. You, you don't win – you can't feel good about yourself when you're needing help from X team and Y team and Z team. Like this is the reality of the situation in the NFC East though. So while uh, it was crazy how this game turned out, I was very glad how it turned out as a Cowboys fan with the Dolphins side of things. This is, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick has won two or three of these in in every year. He can't give it to you on a consistent basis, but every once in a while, he's like, yeah, I'm down 28 to 14 at home against a better team. And he just says, screw it. Watch this. And Devontae Parker had a career day um, targeting him in, in, the, in the passing game. Uh, he had seven catches for 159 yards and two scores. Uh, Mike Isecki was getting up there getting balls, averaging almost 16 yards a catch and for one score. So Ryan Fitzpatrick was locked in doing his thing since they fell behind 28-14. Dolphins tried all kinds of trickery, came out of the halftime, kicking onside kicks, didn't recover. Fourth down, fake field goals where the kicker and punter and holder all throwing and catching touchdowns. It, it, it was crazy what was happening in Miami. But the only bright spot is when Jordan Howard is out, Miles Sanders proved that he can be an efficient back. And we hadn't seen that yet albeit against the Dolphins, but it was nice to see that Miles Sanders can be efficient um, with catching and, and running and running the rock because we, we hadn't seen that except when, when Jordan Howard was in the game. But, man, the Eagles scoring three points the rest of the way after being up 28-14, to 14, uh, huge letdown. And, you know, kudos to Miami for coming back and storming back. And this is just – I'll just remember this as the Ryan Fitzpatrick gotcha game. Yeah, you're right. He has a few of those every week, or every week, every year. Every year. Um, speaking of disappointments, the most disappointing team in the league, the Darn Browns, lost twenty to thirteen against the third string quarterback of the Steelers. The Browns can't do anything right. This this should have been the game that you say, "Hey, we're gonna go. We're gonna be six and six. The Steelers are gonna be six and six. We're gonna try and fight for the playoffs, and they blow it." I, that's all I got to say. I don't know if you want to say something or you want me to move on, but disappointing, man. I, I'm just impressed by Mike Tomlin. He's theoretically on his fourth string quarterback. Josh Dobbs, if you remember, got traded um, uh, in the beginning of the year from Pittsburgh, who was originally the backup. So you have Ben Roethlisberger get hurt. He gets uh, he gets hurt, excuse me, and then you have Mason Rudolph come in. Now you're on Devlin Hodges. And he's balling. You know, he's doing his thing. They were down 10-zip. Credit Mike Tomlin and this crew. And, and look, Browns, Freddie Kitchens, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Baker, all you guys, and then all the players on the defense, minus Miles Garrett, you lost to a Juju Smith-Schuster-less team, a James Conner-less team, um, a team without some starting offensive linemen, and uh, Pouncey uh, in particular. This is and and then you're you lost to a four string quarterback, so yep. this is bad. But but credit credit Mike Tomlin. Uh, we'll have a, we'll have a discussion for another day about that. But I, I'm really liking what Mike Tomlin's doing with a team this year that doesn't really have a whole lot of uh, uh, playmakers, and they're just playing they're playing games not to lose, and they're they're winning close ball games. Somebody was doing a little foreshadowing for a future episode. That's all I'll say. You have to tune in in a future episode to hear what he was talking about. <laughs> but the next two games, we'll just say the scores. Redskins beat the Panthers 29 to 21 and the Bucks beat Jacksonville 28 to 11. Nothing exciting there. Just two, two lower level games. And all uh, four of those teams won't make the playoffs. Yeah. Nope. And um, the last one o'clock game, though, was the potential Super Bowl matchup. Uh, Ravens beat the 49ers on a last second field goal to win 20 to 17. It was raining pretty heavily, so I don't think the game went exactly how it could if it was on a non-rainy site, neutral site like a Super Bowl, but hey, if these two teams are in the Super Bowl, it's going to be exciting. I hope they're in the Super Bowl cuz if the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, I'm not watching that crap. I'm sorry. I'm tired of them. They ain't, they're not even exciting. Put, put me some Lamar versus some 49er defensive line or some Drew Breesy and Michael Thomas or or throw me some Patrick Mahomes versus the 49ers. I'm not trying to see Mr. Brady. But good win for the Ravens. I think the 49ers, even though they lost, they're still top-tier NFC team, even though technically they're in the fifth seed now because yep. a team we're going to talk about a little bit later took over the one seed. Um from the division. I, I think the Saints are the actual one seed, if I'm not yes, mistaken. Yes, sir. Yes. But 
Yeah, Teddy. What, what you got to say? Yeah, I was going to say, well, you, you, they are the one seed because uh, Teddy Bridgewater went into Seattle and beat them. So that's why Seattle wouldn't have the tiebreaker. But um, speaking of that, you know, I pre- predicted that San Fran would start to slide a little bit as the year goes on. Uh, we'll talk about the upcoming week. And the again, I named these games on their schedule that I thought they would lose. And I still think there's, there's still a couple more that they're going to lose in this last month of the season. And that's why I picked Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson over Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, not only to win the games head-to-head, but also to take the division, and right now that's where it stands. My take on the game is it's going to sound like a a bias because of how I've been quoted about how I feel about Lamar Jackson and overall this Ravens team and the playmakers that exist on it that have gotten passed on um, by teams, whether through draft or through free agency. But I think it wasn't as close as the score indicated. I mean, Lamar fumbled the ball, lost the fumble, lost the fumble for the first time this year in this game. Um, yeah, you could blame it because it was it was wet, but he had just burst through for a 12, 12 15 yard gain. Um, so if that doesn't happen, uh, what Marcus Peters looked like, he just didn't know where the ball was a lot of a lot of this game, specifically on the Debo Samuel fourth down. Jimmy Garoppolo had someone coming up in, in in his face. He threw the ball up. There's a corner car trailing Samuel. Marcus Peters comes over the top and like just goes up into him. Doesn't even look for the ball. If he looked for the ball, it's a pick or he swats it down. So that would be a turnover on downs. When Lamar has a short field, they score more than anybody in the league. So, I, I mean, I liked what I saw from the 49ers, but you take away that one, like toss it up, it's fourth down play, and Marcus Peters in, in a good weather, like you said, that, well, weather is going to change it regardless, but we're moving into the postseason. We're moving into these cold uh, weather cities that are going to have home games like Baltimore. So you, you can expect that going forward. But I don't expect Marcus Peters to lose the ball the way he did on that particular play. So you take that away. Jimmy Garoppolo only threw 165 for 165 yards. At this point, he's only probably going to throw for 120. And yeah, he he's not he ran the ball three times for five carries. So he's not going to get you anything in there. Raheem Moster, again, Marcus Peters, he goes to tackle him. He made a business decision because he didn't even put his shoulder or body. He put his hands on him and said, I want no, I want no more of that. So Moster got away for the big touchdown. Those two big plays, you know, I didn't really see them move the ball efficiently. Baltimore kept having them punt. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo did fumble as well. Um, so, and when you look at the Ravens side of the ball, I mean, Lamar was as efficient as he gets. I mean, averaging over six yards a clip, 16 for 100 yards and a touchdown. He threw a sweet pass to Mark Andrews, who caught, who came down with it and caught a touchdown. Uh, Mark Ingram averaged four yards a carry. So they played the type of game that they wanted to play. But I believe they could have even had uh, a bigger margin of victory had some of the one or two plays gone differently, whereas Baltimore just consistently throughout this game, I thought, played a stronger football game. So we'll see what happens going forward. Lamar's still my front runner for MVP. Um, he's beaten every good team in the league this year, along with the whole Baltimore t- uh, team. And I, th- I don't think there enough can be said about what, what, what kind of success they're having and why they're having the success they're having. Very good win. So, oh my goodness. I just almost crushed my finger. Sorry about that guys. Um, for the four o'clock games, um, <laughs> I just for context, I sit in a chair and the chair uh, arms are just below the desk and I lean back in my chair, my finger under the desk and the arm went up and tried to crush my finger just for context. Um, But the Rams won 34 to seven. Not a very interesting game. Rams finally look good. Uh, Chiefs won 40 to nine. The Raiders are back to doing Raider things and the Chiefs look really good. And then the most interesting game of the four o'clocks was the Broncos' last-second field goal to beat the Chargers. Um, yeah, you know. Drew Locke. I mean, getting his first win and his first start. I thought he played well. He made a mistake in the second half, but other than that, he didn't do things to lose the ball game. And 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 Philip Rivers at times did. And so credit to Denver at home holding the Chargers to twenty points. Yeah, and the Chargers could also be up there for most disappointing teams from what Absolutely. they were last year to what they're going to be this year. Just, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Sunday night game, Texans beat the Patriots 28-22. to Very good win for the Texans. Um, I didn't I didn't think the Texans had it in them because I, I thought the Texans were one of those teams that are good but not good enough, and they look good enough for sure. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. good win for them. 
what I want to say about the Houston is, you know, I, I did pick them to win this division and it all has all to, it has all to do with the quarterback. Yeah. They got playmakers on uh, both sides of the ball. It sucks that JJ Watts out for the rest of the year. You know, this connection between Watson and Hopkins is real, but it's the Will Fuller being healthy. It's the trade for Kenny Stills. It's the, it's the trade for Brown on the offensive line. It's, it's for Tunzel. It's the way that they're, improving the things that they already have about this team that made me say, huh, maybe this is the year they make a run. Maybe this is the year they make some more noise because they're a team that's capable. And if you look at the Patriots side of things, the two quarterbacks, just to put in perspective, that Bill Belichick has not only struggled but gotten beat by are Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. Now in 2017, Deshaun Watson was the third quarterback taken. And in 2018, Lamar Jackson was the fifth quarterback taken. And so I go back to it. This shouldn't this shouldn't have happened. It did. And and now the rest of the league is living with it because on any given Sunday, if you have those guys at the helm, you have a chance. You have a chance. Yes, you do. And uh, Patriots, you know, mm. they'll still go 13-3 and three and win the division and be the number one seed, but... They don't you know, look good, man. They got problems. If yeah. you bracket Edelman and then take away James White... James White is... He's arguably the best receiver in games that Edelman's not healthy or Edelman doesn't show up because he can just catch those balls out of the backfield. If he makes a guy miss, he makes a guy miss. And then he breaks away. So, yeah, the Patriots have a lot to figure out. If they don't hold teams under 20 points, they got to figure out who's scoring them for on offense. Yeah, I think I think they're not as good, which is why I don't have them in the Super Bowl. I I still stand by my decision, but we could talk we we could talk about that in a different uh, different episode. Maybe we'll do our yeah. little playoff playoff predictions. Uh, but Monday night game, Seahawks won thirty seven to thirty. It was a pretty good game. Seattle officially took over the division with that win because they beat the Niners, and uh, Vikings still in the playoffs. You know, still up there. Uh, tough loss though, but you know, what can you expect? Monday night going to Seattle, tough, tough, tough game. Yeah. I mean, I, I predicted Seattle win this game. They won by seven, they covered, but at the end of the day, this, again, this score does not indicate how far of a gap this really was. The Vikings go out to a 17, 10 lead. And then, uh, at halftime and Seattle just explodes in the third quarter and they go up by three scores at, to start the fourth and, and Seattle players just, you know, Pete Carroll lets his players play. That's another thing I like about Pete Carroll as a coach. But yeah, at some point you got to step in. You got safeties biting on twelve yard in cuts, and you got receivers Laquan Treadwell who got cut and then re-signed by the team, former first round pick, all alone down the field. So this game shouldn't even have been close. The Seahawks are the ones that made it close by so many mental errors in the fourth quarter when they were up three scores at home. You would never bet that they had a ninety nine point. Nine percent chance to win the game at that point. Luckily, they held on because it could have got could have got a little dicey there. Yeah, good good win, and I still think Seattle. The NFC is tough, man, because I think it the is. Niners could go to Super Bowl. I think the Saints can go to Super Bowl. I think the Seattle Seattle can go to Super Bowl. I think the Packers could go to Super Bowl. I think the Vikings could go to Super Bowl. And. Uh, the Giants, no. I, I, if the cow, the Cowboys have all the talent to go to Super Bowl, but Jerry thinks that it's a possibility. So it's, I'm gonna... yeah, it's just tough. It's just tough when you look at the other five teams' records and then you look oh, at the Cowboys sure. or Philly. We're not performing. But, but once again, we'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah. But that is the week in review, and um, it was a pretty good week. Yeah. I liked the week. It was fun, and now we're gonna move on to upset picking game of the week. Uh, my game of the week is Saints 49ers. You went from potential Super Bowl matchup to potential NFC championship matchup, depending on, I guess, how the seeds, the seeding ends up. But this this game should be should have greatness written all over it because these are the two of the top three teams in the NFC playing against each other, and it's gonna it could be really good. And my upset pick is Chiefs over the Patriots. I think the Chiefs go into New England mm. in December. And Patrick Mahomes has a field day and just beats the Patriots, knocks the Patriots down to ten and three. And, you know, I think I think the Chiefs are gonna go in there and beat them in December in in New England and just show up and, and beat that. Um 
So what are your game of the week and upset picks? So my game of the week uh, is usually going to feature the same player because I can't get enough of watching it. I mean, it, I watched it in college. I watched it. I went back and saw some stuff and heard some stuff about him in high school, but it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Buffalo. Um, this isn't a big trip for them. They, they, they played their last game at home, so they just go a few hours north and uh, they go up to Buffalo. Um, and, they, and they're going to play a, a team that – is kind of modeled like them. They're going to want to run the ball and play defense. And so we're going to see which team um, can bend but not break. And I just have a feeling that Buffalo is going to break sooner than, than Baltimore will on that side of the ball. And I think they're just going to make enough plays in the passing game. Um, and I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a great game to watch for two, two quarters. Uh, and then you may just see some electricity happen. Um, some might happen early with some John, with John Brown, if he can get loose and the design plays for him to get open. Uh, maybe they go back to trickery, but you're going to see maybe Marquise make some plays in this game um, as he had a quiet week last week. And I just like Baltimore to win this game on the road and keep the command of the number one seed. That means a lot to them. They want to they want the playoffs to go through M&T Bank Stadium. They want to be at Baltimore for the playoffs. So they're going to keep control of this. They're going to manage uh, the B- Buffalo Bills offense and and make some splash plays themselves. Uh, so give me Baltimore to win that game and pull away toward the end of the third, early fourth quarter. Um, upset pick of the week is going to come on Monday Night Football. The Giants finally break through, finally end their losing streak. Danny Dimes shows up, shows up in a big way. Saquon gets it going. Maybe Ingram comes back. Maybe take clears the concussion protocol. I know he's going to want to play in this game. Shepard, Slayton, they get it going. They get it rolling against a team that's demoralized in Philadelphia. And I think they put the dagger in the heart in the city of brotherly love. And this is this is moving forward for the Giants. Pat Shermer, if you have any hope to keep your job and you have any hope for this roster to stay somewhat what you've built it to be, this is a game where you show America this is the future of the Giants. You don't just keep losing because of a draft pick. No other team is doing that. You can't give credence that the Bengals have been wanting to do that. And so you got to show up against a division rival on the road, on the national spotlight where nobody wants to watch you, and you could end your rival's season in one game. And so I see the Giants upsetting the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, moving to, what would it be, three wins on the season and finishing the year strong. We will see. I don't think that's going to happen, but... You know, well, listen, the Eagles gave up 37 points, 20, 26 straight uh, to the Miami Dolphins and give me their, the Giants weapons and even quarterback, even though I love me some Ryan Fitzpatrick for weeks two and week 14. Every other week he can get traded somewhere else. But you give me him for two weeks. I'm good. But we got to see what we got in Daniel Jones. Like it, it, they, the, I know, the I team know. needs to see it. And I just think this is a game where he can show it spotlight. At Philly, um, you know that Philly's going to be pissed off from their loss to the Dolphins. And I just think this is a team that's very beatable right now. So this is a, this is my upset pick, is the Giants going into Philly and uh, ending their season. We'll find out on Monday. Now, to wrap up the episode, let's get into those fantasy players of the week. Our quick hits. Um, mine's going to be pretty quick. I got Chubb against Cincinnati. Uh, and then I go, I'm sticking with my Chiefs pick over the Pats. I got Mahomes and Hill. I think they're going to have a huge game, and I think they're going to be the reason why the Patriots lose. I think Hill is going to go for over a buck fifty, two touchdowns, and Mahomes is going to just throw it up top and watch Hill catch catch those bombs. And those are my those are my picks. Pretty simple. So yeah, this is the first week of the playoffs. Um, for some of you, some of you are on bye. Some of you are in a ten-team league, and your playoffs don't start till a week later. But fantasy quick hits. I'm going to give you some guys you can grab off of waivers, most likely um, at the quarterback position. It sounds crazy, but the gloating you could do if you had the audacity to start either of these guys in your la- last week of the regular season matchup or your first week of the playoffs and beat your opponent. I just believe. These two guys will score more fantasy points when it's all said and done than some of those guys that you've been so committed to throughout the year. I think both of these guys finish as top 10 fantasy quarterbacks, 
and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick at the New York Jets, and that's Daniel Jones at the Philadelphia Eagles. Even if these games turn into blowouts and the home team who both in both cases will be favored and should win, we know Fitzpatrick is all about that garbage time. And you know Daniel Jones is going to want to put up fantasy points if he falls behind too, but I don't see that happening. I see it being a shootout. I see those two guys finishing in the top 10, so feel confidence and, and gloat. If you beat your opponent with either of those guys because you just grabbed them off a waiver and started them over, maybe guys you've been starting all year long. Um, So those are my two quarterbacks. I gave you two because I think they're both similar and I couldn't choose between them. Um, For running backs, I really like um, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette at home this week against the reeling Chargers. Uh, Philip Lindsay almost had some huge holes last week. He did well on the ground, but I think Leonard Fournette's the type of back because Philip Lindsay's Philip Lindsay size. Leonard Fournette is a beast of a man. So when he gets rolling, he's kind of the only bright spot right now. Minshew Mania, there's going to be excitement. The Chargers are going to want to sack him. Look for some sweeps, some draws to happen. Leonard Fournette's going to get it rolling. Feel confident starting him in the playoffs in this matchup at home against the Chargers and wide receiver. I like Tyrell Williams on the Oakland Raiders. I think he's going to ball out. He's been very quiet. Um, and uh, I just like because the Titans are going to put up points, whether through Derrick Henry, through A.J. Brown's splash plays. They're at home. The Raiders, this is their last shot. Derek Carr in the last two weeks has put up a total of, I think, the whole offense has scored 12 points combined. They need to get some shots down the field. They need to make some big plays. So I think Tyrell Williams will make some big plays this week. Interesting pick because he has not been very good, but right, we'll see. And that's the episode for the week. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it as always. Um, I'm glad that I got a co-host back because the solo ones are quick and uh, they don't get a, they don't get as many views as when I had the longer episodes. So I'm happy to have my co-host back, and hopefully, we get the other one back next week. And uh, you have any final words? Um, I said this a few weeks ago, and I don't think there's a better time to say it than now, but uh, War Eagle. <laughs> After that, a nice win against Bammer. Woo! A quick stat. Nick Saban, I believe I heard since 2013, has six, only six regular season losses, and three of those are to Auburn and Gus Malzahn. Yeah, he certainly wins a lot, but... This year, they ain't making that playoff unless some craziness nope. happens. Which, which, <laughs> no. if they jump from twelve to four after not playing, uh, college football is rigged. But <laughs> college college football is very fun. I wish we could talk about it more yep. on this, but we try to stick to our NFL. In our off season shows, they'll definitely come up when we talk about prospects, drafts, and that sort of thing. Exactly. So. That will do it, and uh, as always, follow us on Twitter at T-TrioCast, and I hope you guys have a wonderful day or night, depending on when you listen to it. Yep, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you guys.